0: talk about love. I mean, we love to talk about it in terms of our relationships, obviously. Romantic relationships, love, weddings, marriage, proposal. I mean, all the different stuff. We love all that part of love. There's no doubt. That's the easy part. And then we definitely um, care about love as it pertains to our relationships, our family, our friends, and what it means. And there's a lot of different ideas about what love is out there in the world. And one thing for sure is that Christians, people that go to church, people that say they love Jesus or they follow Jesus, should have the love deal, this whole deal about love kind of cornered. They should have the greatest understanding, right? I mean, the Christians, that even if you didn't grow up in the church, you've heard for God so loved the world. You've heard the concept that we're supposed to love people because God loves us. Maybe you never heard where that came from. That comes from the Bible. We love because we were first loved. So Christians should have love down pat. The church should have love really figured out. And this message today is about getting us to make sure that that happens. Because I have this sense that the church, myself, all of us, the people in the room, uh, the church around the world, that we very easily lose sight of what love really is. And the reason I think that happens is because of the things that I observe in the world today and because of the things that have been happening since the church began. The church is a group of people that love Jesus. They all collectively love Jesus. It's a group of people that follow Jesus, and they say, we love Jesus, so we love him, we love the people around us. And from the very beginning, there was a man who was called by God in a supernatural fashion that's hard to explain to go and start the church. And when he started a church in a place called Corinth, he told them what love was because after he got them all started and people were falling in love with Jesus, then he left and he found out that the people in this place called Corinth, which is over on the other side of the world, that they were confused about love. And basically what they did in that church, this was in the first century, is they made love a demonstration. They made love where, and they made this concept of love and, and the concept of maturity, like if you're supposed to love God and God is ultimate love, then basically you can equate Ultimate love to spiritual maturity, and they believed that spiritual maturity and love was a demonstration. It was something that you had to know, it was something that you had to say, and it was something you had to do. And we talked about last week how love is not a demonstration. It is not a demonstration. You do not become, or you are not, a mature Christian because you say all the right things that sound really spiritual. You know a lot of spiritual information, right? So maybe you have thought, like, man, I want to say something that sounds spiritual. That makes me mature. Because you've seen someone or you've heard someone say something. Like, the way they say that makes them mature. If you know something, something deep, right, you hear someone go, wow, that person just basically said something that probably he, God, and, you know, you know, Paul, back in the Old Testament, the only people in New Testament only know that, wow, he is deep, he is mature, he is, she is that, because they just said something that is mysterious and deep. You might think, I need to know something that's deep and almost cryptic and almost prophetic in order for me to be mature. Paul says, that's not love. That's not maturity. Saying something that sounds spiritual, even if it is, knowing something that is very spiritual, even if it is, is not love by itself. In fact, it can can confuse us. We can think like, oh, that looks, I wanna be like that. And then we can have the wrong target. And today is about making sure we get the right target for love. Because he even says in this book, Paul, as he's writing this letter that we looked at last week, he even says that if you do something crazy nice for a bunch of people, like sell all of your stuff or give it away to people that need it, sell your house and give the money away, Die for your faith. If you do that thing, but you don't have what he calls love and what we're going to look at today, you're not mature. And that's just challenging because it would be really, really easy if we could just break down spiritual maturity and say, you got to say stuff that sounds good, you got to um, know some stuff that is deep, and then you got to do some stuff that's really challenging. But the reality is this, is that love is more difficult than saying something, knowing something, or doing something. Love is a lot more difficult than just saying something spiritual, knowing something spiritual, or doing something that looks and appears to be spiritual. In fact, if it was just this, it would be so much easier. It would be so much easier. Because we would go, okay, I know that I just have to sound a certain way. I just have to learn some information Then I have to do something. And then everybody can look at it and just check it off. And they, I did all that stuff and it looks good. But what happens is is that we have a kind of a weird mind about love. Some of us think it's like something that that, that, uh, you have to do. Some of us think it's something that you have to display. Some of us think it's something that's the way you feel. And we kind of have all these different targets of what love is. And if it was just this, we could kind of just write it off and go, okay, we got it all figured out. You just got to say no and do some things, and then we're good. But what happens is, is that when people pursue this, it makes the church look like they don't understand love. It's like, wait a minute, if love is just saying stuff that sounds spiritual, well, then how come the church doesn't always say stuff that's spiritual? Wait, if love is like knowing a bunch of information, well, how come all those people that know a bunch of stuff, they're arrogant and irritating? They, they, they know a lot, but they're not nice to people. Because that's what can happen when you know a lot of information. Scripture says that it puffs you up, so it makes you arrogant. So wait a minute, okay, love is the goal. They say stuff, and it's interesting. They don't quite come off the right way, and then they do things, and they say that it's about doing something big, but then they don't all do it. It's like, wait, 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 wait. what really is love? And what can happen is, is the confusion of love, as the church has put it out there, some combination of this, some combination of what's on the inside, some combination of whatever you think love is, when we don't all have the same goal, then we get disappointed with the outcome. We watch what people do, and we have our view of love, and we go, well, they're not doing my view of love, so they don't get love. And now, if you're looking at the church from the, from the outside in and going, here's what I think love is, and they're not doing it, then you might get frustrated and say, I don't want anything to do with the church, and ultimately, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. And so it's so important for us to get on the same page about what love is. So that we can kind of carve out that niche and live that life and be who God wants us to be. And when we don't do that, it turns people off. I really believe the pursuit of these things, of just simply knowing, saying, saying, knowing and doing something is why so many people never pursue Christ. Because it's just like you guys are trying, but you're failing and your view of love is not my view of love. We all have to get on the same page. So, last week I left you. What is love? What is it really? You have a definition. You have said probably to somebody that you love them. That means you have an idea of what love is. You say, I love you because of something that that means to you. You have had that said to you. You have felt love or you have felt the lack of love. You felt unloved. So whether you've defined it or not, you have an idea about what love is. And I'm going to put a definition in front of you that I believe is The culmination, kind of all the pieces coming together of what love really should be. And it's not going to be what we think. It's not going to be the demonstration that we've talked about so much about knowing something, saying something, and doing something. It's not going to be that. It's going to be something that is almost, when it's looked at, it's a little subtle and maybe even boring. And I believe that that's one of the reasons why we've missed out on it because we think that love is supposed to be this big fireworks, explosion, kind of excited demonstration. And Paul, he's going to redefine and God has a totally different idea of what love is. And I want, you got to hear this, I want our church, I want everyone in this room and I want the church to have the right view of love so we can give people the right view of God. That's why we're doing this. That's why I'm talking about this today. Here is the definition of love. Love is an inner force that impels us to show affection for those closest to us. Closest to us. Love is an inner force. So what happens is, and this is going to be a little bit of like, like maybe too much, like, like this is like Christianity 101, but it's, this is intense. What happens is when you embrace Jesus Christ, as God. And you say, he's God. I love him. And I'm going to ask him to wipe away my sins and to save me and to be my leader, to be my savior. You might hear to to, to be um, my master is a word people have said. It's not a word we use all the time, but you say, I'm going to worship and follow God. When you get to that point, what happens is, is the Bible says that God, this is so cool, that God gives you himself in the form of the Holy Spirit. So God basically takes on this form and is this form that can actually come and live and dwell inside of human beings. So you have who you have been, your soul, and then you have the Spirit of God that jumps inside of you, and the Bible calls that gift a down payment. It's all of God, but it's a little piece of what heaven is going to be like. Because it's like, ooh, you're still on the earth. You're still walking around and you're human skin, flesh, all the brokenness that we walk around with. The world is broken. Our mind is broken. All this stuff. But God purely comes inside of us, and then he, like, just makes us new. And he gives us this new heart. And so there's this kind of transformation that takes place over time, and the heart of Christ then moves inside of us, and he starts to push us in a direction to love. And what happens is the world around us and the way that we've been wired wants us to do something else. It wants us to demonstrate. It wants us to be flashy. It wants us to put on a display of knowing something and pride and all these different pieces that play into what we think love might be. But the spirit of God is not telling you that. He is actually saying, I came here so that I could be really close to you and so that you could bring real love in your closest, most intimate relationships. God's design is not for all of us to have some big, once a year, once a week, display of love that says, look at what I'm doing, but rather every single minute in your closest relationships to be filled with affection and genuine care. You see, we can understand love, but what's supposed to happen is we're supposed to tap in To God who lives inside of us. Scripture says it is God who is at work in us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So he is working inside of us going, I want you to show what I am inside of you to the world. And it's not going to take place in demonstration. It's going to take place in your closest, most intimate, off-the-radar relationships. This is, uh, someone said this, I don't know who said this, but this person said, we can be right about a lot of things, which means we can know a lot of things, but if we do not have love, we are dead wrong. You see, there's supposed to be this operation of love that comes from the heart, not not a demonstration, not knowing something, not saying something. It's supposed to be this thing that lives inside of us, the Holy Spirit of God that drives us to go and to love and to be in loving relationships with those closest to us. Look what, this, this is another great uh, person, Timothy Keller. I follow him on Twitter. Look, look what he said about love. He said, it is not enough to believe the gospel with your head, just to know something. It must become operational in your heart. You see, and so when we as a Christian community we push, hang you gotta get this. We say, you need to go and do something for people. You need to go and 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 do the right thing and 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 act a certain way, and that's love. You know, there's a whole movement and it's been forever. Love is a verb, and you need to understand, love becomes a verb. Love is not a verb alone, it starts in your heart, it becomes operational in your heart with the gift from God to move you to love people outside. And it's not supposed to be this big display. It's right in front of you. So it just starts inside your heart. Think about it, right? If we just move our hands around, if we just move our mouths and we do things that look like love, but the heart isn't pumping, it's not love. The heart of Christ has to pump and move and we have to have true desire, which is new inside of us, To go, I hear Jesus. He wants me to move into the people around me, to move in their lives and to love them with an affection that is so much bigger than demonstration. It's just one-on-one, face-to-face maturity. Here's my definition for a mature Christian. You, You gotta hear this. Not a big display, not knowing something. You can be mute you can be paralyzed, and you can be loving. Think think about that, because you've got to have it start in your heart. You cannot just go and make yourself loving. You have to ask God to make you loving, and then you will be, and it starts by him giving you something that you couldn't do anything to get. You just received the gift of God. God, thank you for giving me a new heart so that I can love. I feel affection, for people around me now because of what you've done in here. So I want to live that out in the place you told me to live it out, which is not a demonstration. It's in one-on-one, one-on-two, small, off-the-radar relationships. Here is maturity. I believe this with all my heart. Our church, every church, has to change the target for love. And this is the target. This is what Paul teaches, a mature Christian has loving relationships a mature Christian doesn't say all the right stuff doesn't do big things that people look at and go wow doesn't know a bunch of information but I go to people and I can say is this person mature not because of what they know and they, what they say but because of the love that exists that is real in their closest relationships come on this is, something, like, this is something that may seem nuanced, but it's huge. It's absolutely the difference maker. You see, I, I see it like this. You walk by a family who's in the pool. They're playing. And they look like they love each other. And they actually do. They actually love each other. You see, a mature relationship that is filled with love, says there's nothing more important than the people that God put right around me. And I'm going to start with bringing what God has done in my heart to those relationships. I don't have to put on a show. I don't have to do anything. No, 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 no. I am going to love the people that are right here face to face. This is maturity. You see, maturity in a, in a family or in close friends, it looks like peace. It looks like serenity. It's simple. You see, I could look at someone and and hear what they say and and know what they know and and watch their big displays of of love and kind of power, and I'm going to do this thing, but then I can go, that's not the litmus test. That's not how we know if they're mature. I can go and talk to the person closest to them and say, does that person love you? Do, do, do 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 they like make you number one? You see, the goal of making your closest relationships, um, the, the, the goal of, of making love this thing that where you become a mature person, it all kind of happens in how you view how you're supposed to live day to day. You see, and I, I think it's like this. This is like kind of my way of saying it. You're, the way that you make your, your relationships mature and loving is by being completely present with those closest to you. Okay, the people that are closest to you. You're completely present. See, you can tell someone. You can say something to your friends. Come on, just hang with me. You can say something to your friends that sounds spiritual. But if I ask your friends, like, do they listen to you? Because here's the difference between, like, love and maturity and just kind of missing the mark. A lot of times in friendships, which God has brought close to us, and he says you're supposed to display love in your friendships, what we do is when people are talking, we actually don't listen. We just wait for a time to talk. You see, you can't have loving and mature relationships if your whole disposition in a friendship is to just give them half of your mind, to let your mind run, and wait for what you're going to say next. Completely present. I should be able to go to your closest friends and say, how is that person with you? Do they give you 100%? Do they look you in the eye? Do they care? Because Jesus didn't come down on this planet so that we could all, like, say things that sound spiritual and know things that sound spiritual, but to give us relationships that actually are. That's why. Why? The story of Jesus, you you, got to get this. Jesus is is God in a bod, right? He's he's God with flesh on. And when he came into this world 2,000 years ago, he had the same heart. He was 100% God and 100% man the whole time. And what he did is he walked around the earth, and he had the same heart. And his heart was this. The people that I'm closest with my family, the people that I'm closest with the disciples that I call, that's who I'm gonna give 100% to. He went on and started to demonstrate that he was God so that people would turn and go, okay, this is the sign, this is, this is what they said would happen, this must be God. And then he went up on the cross and he died because he had to die for you and me. He had to. If he didn't, we would be in trouble. He actually was afraid to because of his flesh. He's like, I don't really want to go through this, but I love them. And the reason that he loved them was not this kind of esoteric, philosophical idea of loving all of humanity. It was, I have been eyeball to eyeball with Bartholomew. I have been eyeball to eyeball. I have spent time face to face with some people on earth, these 12 people, closest disciples. And I love them with all of my heart. And when I am with them, they know that I love them. They are my friends. And they can feel it. They can feel that I care about them. So my question for you is, do you just like say things to your friends? Do you just like engage them on like a knowledge base? Or do you actually care about them? Because the purpose of love is that you actually care about those people closest to you. That's maturity. What about your family? Like everybody but, everything but married right now. We're just gonna talk about siblings. Do you think that God's purpose was for you to have really average relationships with your family? Do you think that he has something greater? Do you think that God wants you to just Separate from family and leave family and then go and do love. Mm. You ever met somebody that just believes God is calling them away from this? Can I tell you right now, God never does that? He never does that. He doesn't call you away from your family. You would go, wait a minute, Joel, there's some things in the the Bible. No, 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 it's Jesus sending out disciples saying you're going to turn fathers and this and that. For all of you that know that part of even what I'm alluding to, that's not the point. You see, the principle is God gave you these relationships, and love is supposed to drive them. And you are fully present with them, and you fully give them your heart and your mind and your soul. And because of your decision to make these relationships, the target now—you're a mature person. I can look at you and go, "Oh, they get it. They get it." You know that even—and I know that some of us are like, "Man, I just can't like my family. I just, ugh, I just can't get there with them." That's—it's hard. It's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's not easy. And if it's broken, because I have broken relationships with family, it doesn't—it doesn't mean that you—you—you you, you fail at love. It just means that your heart should be broken because of what should be and what could be and you care about that and you don't believe that it's anything but that maturity my relationship with those closest to me I mean obviously this is like the, the one that's not fair right I mean how in the world can we stand up in front of a group of people who are our closest friends and our family and say vows if you're married and then make the object of love and the purpose of love to be something greater than having this be great. You, you think that Jesus would, would stand here and say, you know, I wanted you to say those vows, but I actually want you to go do something that's different than love. He goes, no, 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 this is love. I mean, the picture of marriage in the Bible is, is living your whole life for the person that you said your vows to. It is to be completely present. It is to be completely engaged. It is to be be completely face-to-face. It is to be so engaged in who they are. And that's love. And then from all of these things becoming healthy and mature, if you want to give a display, that's fine. You You can say something. You can know something. That's good. But if this isn't here, you're not mature. Do you need to hear this? If these relationships... Aren't your goal, aren't your target to, have, to be healthy. You're not mature. You're not. It's not, you're not, you, you don't get to say anything else. This is the litmus test. That's it. It's, it's, it is this different target. It's about relationships. So God gives us a relationship with him that's intimate, that's one-on-one, that's whispers in your heart. And he wants that for us. I want to just read a couple things. I learned that faith or love isn't about knowing all of the right stuff. Knowing. Or obeying a list of rules. It's something more. Something more costly because it's being present and making a sacrifice. Being present. Being with people. Being fully engaged in these people. That's maturity. That's love. Look, he goes on to say, this this guy's awesome. Perhaps that's why Jesus is sometimes called Emmanuel. Actually, in the Bible, that was one of his names. Emmanuel, God with us. With us. With us. He came to be with us. He came to to, to be face-to-face with these 12 guys and his family, and then he died for all of us. God with us. I think... That's what God had in mind for Jesus to be present, to just be with us, to just be with us. So great. It's also what He had in mind for us when it comes to other people to be with them, to be present. That's love. You can figure that out and you've become mature. That's maturity. What's your target? And then Paul, in this passage that we've all read a hundred times, we've heard it even if we don't go to church, we've heard this passage, 1 Corinthians, what love is. And what I want you to do is I want you to read this passage, and I want you to think about you and the person that's closest to you in these areas and ask yourself, does that person think that about me? And am I that way with that person? As I go through this, 1 Corinthians 13, look what it says says love never gives up. Let me just just take love and remove it and add your name. Is that you in your closest relationships? Add your name right now. Joel never gives up. Mm. Joel never gives up on what? Joel never gives up on what? Working out? Running? down the street, buying groceries. Joel never gives up on his job. Joel never gives up on cutting the grass. No, 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 no. Joel never gives up on loving and being present with his friends, his family, and his spouse. Not something else. So put, put in your name. Mark. Mark never gives up on his friends. Now we're talking about love. His closest friends, Mark, never gives up. Judy, never gives up on her family. That's love. Joel cares more for others than, his, than himself. For you guys, I don't, even, I don't know all you. Is this talking about just me actually demonstrating love for you to care more about you? No, no, no. This is talking about the people closest to me. Joel never gives up on his closest friends. Joel never gives up on his family. He cares more about them. Who knows that? I can totally make you think that I care about you more than I care about me. I can make you think that. We can meet in the hallway, and I can make you think that I care about you more than me. But you know who I can't? My friends, my closest family, my wife. Put put your name in there. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Who knows that? Who knows like what's really your tension in your life? Your closest, friends, family, spouse. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head. Who knows when you're living a life of arrogance? People closest to you. Paul is saying the target is different. The target is different. The target is different. Mature Christians have loving relationships and this is the road map. Mature Christians have loving relationships relationships not demonstrations i want everyone to say mature christians have loving relationships are you ready mature christians have loving relationships say it again say it like you mean it mature christians have loving relationships we need a new target here it is doesn't force itself on others those closest to you isn't always me first you only are me first with the people that you're with all the time that's who you get the gusto to be me first with The people that are sitting next to you right now. Doesn't fly off the handle. I can fake an anger problem. I can like conceal it. You know where I can't? Behind closed doors. It's about the people closest to you. Don't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep a score of the sins of others. I mean, who do you spend enough time with to you ever go walk to someone that you haven't seen in a year at the gas station? Hey, I was just pumping my gas. I remember the last time that you were here, you didn't pay for the Twizzlers. Check! You just sinned. No, we don't walk around policing the world. We have a hard time when we are in close relationships forgiving people and saying, oh, they messed up. I'm going to let it go. They messed up. I'm going to let it go. They messed up. I'm going to let it go. It's, it's not hard. Like, come on, come on. It's not hard to forgive the people that you're not closest with all the time. It's hard to forgive the people that are closest to you. And that's what he says. That's the heart of love. The heart of love says, I'm letting it go, I'm letting it go, I'm letting it go. We still are together. I'm never going anywhere. I'm letting it go, I'm letting it go. I just let it go. You know why? Because my target is you and this relationship right here. Could it be anything else? It doesn't revel when others grovel. You don't get excited when the people that you love struggle. You hurt. Come on, you hurt when you truly love them takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. The flowering of truth. Come on. When, what are you spending your time on? Is it your job to go to your neighbor's house and work in their garden and get their tomatoes ripe? No. You're not going to do that. You might go over and consult, you people with the green thumb. You might consult on someone else's stuff. You spend your time going, we got to build this We're going to bring truth in Jesus and life and grace and forgiveness and joy and all these different things that only come from a supernatural interaction that starts on the inside and impels us to bring affection to the people around us. And as we bring that affection, then slowly over the months, throughout the seasons, truth flowers in the people who you walk next to, live next to, sleep next to every day puts up with anything. Come on, I put up with anything, right? You you don't have to put up with anything for the people that live down the street, right? You can go to their house, hang out, be like, these people have cats. I hate cats. I ain't putting up with it. I'm leaving. You just need to know something right now. If you have cats, I'm not putting up with it. (laughs) Because I don't love you. I mean, I'm not putting up with your cats, You know whose cats I'm putting up with? My family's cats. It's my family. I got to put up with it. That's what Paul is saying. This is love. It's a different target. Trust God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back. But keeps going to the end. Everybody say it. A mature Christian has loving relationships. Change the target. Now listen. I I'm going to wear you guys out with my insights, my experiences, as it pertains to my family. Because this whole thing for me is about figuring out what real maturity is. It's about honoring God. It's about saying God has a picture that he wants for everybody. And I want to find that. And I believe that it's right in here. And these loving relationships for me are right now with three other people, and in a week or so, it's gonna be four people. Because Katie's about to burst. And you need to understand that. And I am gonna push you as a church. We are going to demonstrate and we are going to love other people, but ooh, if we don't have the foundation, it doesn't matter. That's what Paul said, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you go downtown and, and serve 5:14 serves and all the money that we give to that, doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Any of that doesn't matter if you don't have this. So you're going to hear over and over again. And so I believe that I've learned probably more than anything about the nature of the heart of God, maturity, love and relationships, in how I get the opportunity to relate to my family. And so in this next quote, I just want to kind of take us to this place where we, we view it differently. And we say, loving relationships are kind of like God the Father with his children. And we have an opportunity to, at any number of these relationships with our friends, with our family, with our spouse, play a role in being an agent of affection and love with those closest to us because that's where maturity is going to get its legs. That's where it's really going to take off. And so as we read this, um, this is another amazing quote from Bob Goff. I follow him on Twitter. You should follow him too. He's so great. Um, You're going to see that there's a picture here of a father interacting with his kids, and I want you to see that that is how we're supposed to um, play out our relationships with all the people that are in, in close proximity to us. All right? this, is, this is maturity. This is a loving heart. It's, it, it's something like the way the father interacts with his kids. I think a father's job, when it's done best, is to get down on both knees, lean over his children's lives, and whisper. Is that a demonstration? No. It's small. Whisper, where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? I'm here for you. Where do you want to go, closest friends? Where do you want to go, family? Where do you want to go, spouse? Every day, God invites us on the same kind of adventure. It's not a trip where he sends us a rigid itinerary. He simply invites us. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? God asks what it is he's made us to love, what it is that captures our attention, what feeds that deep, indescribable need of our souls to experience the richness of the world that he made. And then, leaning over us, he whispers, let's go do that together. You see, the epitome of love and maturity is the connection between you and the people closest to you. That's what it is. Forget all the rest. Let it be icing on the cake. Let it be fine and fun to know things and say things and do great things, but don't be superficial about what matters most to God. You cannot fake this. You can put on a, a show, you can say things, know things, do things all day long, but this in your life can slip and die. And I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't care. I don't want it for you. I don't want it for me. I want you guys to have a new target. Can we celebrate that together? You see, what's, what gets celebrated gets repeated. Do you know that? You see, and we, in, in church world, we struggle with celebrating the right things. We like to celebrate demonstration. Ooh, how did that sound? What did that do? do, do, do? Let me just tell you two, two things I want to celebrate. Um, the first one is this, and this is kind of a practical application, also something that you should celebrate. Put your phone down. When you're at home and there's other human beings that fall into this category, this category, or this category. Put your flipping phone down. This is the voice of my wife. Put your phone down. Turn the thing off. Yeah, that's right. It will help. It will help. Celebrate family success all around you. Celebrate it. Um, In my wave group, there's a really awesome young couple, and they just had a baby. And he is an executive at uh, a company that we all know, and she also works in retail. And I just want to take a minute and just celebrate them. Because our wave group meets, uh, it's a small group. We meet in our house. Right now, we're going through a series called Guardrails. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, you should get in a group too um, someday. And we, we meet on Wednesday nights, and then our, our volleyball group, we, pl- we meet and play volleyball as a, as a small group on Thursday nights. We're called the Bisons, and we are average. Um, <laughs> little over 500, it's exciting. Um, We have our moments, though. Uh, I pulled my groin twice playing, though, so I'm in pain. Um, Anyway, this guy, he wants to come to Wave Group, and he wants to play volleyball. And he's good. He wants to play every single Thursday night. But we continually are getting texts from him saying, I can't make the game. I got baby duty. Yes! That's a win! Who cares if the bisons win or lose? Bison's is supposed to be plural and singular. You're not supposed to add an S to it. It's a stupid name anyway. (laughs) He says over and over again, I can't make it. I have baby duty. You know what we need to celebrate as a church? Baby duty for men. Wiping butts you got to love it, man. you got to love dirty, poopy diapers. Because that's maturity. Isn't that weird? If that's maturity, that's spirituality. Puts up with anything? Dude, that kid, man, carrots. Oh. Thank you, Jesus, for this poopy diaper. And you know what else he does? This is really, really fun. His wife, she works, and on Wednesday nights, often, he will come home, not come to our group, which you would think would be the more spiritual thing to do, but he will come and watch the baby so that she can come and have some adult interaction and just be with us. That needs to be celebrated because that needs to be repeated. And that needs to be repeated in all of our lives. We need to come alive on the inside for the people who are closest to us and show them the kind of affection that will make God smile. That's maturity. Nothing else around here is gonna be celebrated the way that loving, family, affectionate relationships are. Nothing. So if that's what you're looking for, there's a lot of other churches That we'll celebrate that, but not this one. Let's pray. God, you showed us through 30 years of just being with your family and your friends that you have a heart of affection for those closest to you. We need your heart, not just for demonstration, but for affection. Please, 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 change us, change us, change us. We need to be more like you, we need to have the right picture. We need to have the right goal. We need to celebrate the stuff that's off the radar. We need what's below the waterline to be healthy, not just what's above. We need foundations to be strong, not just the aesthetics. That's what we need. Help us. Change our view, change our target. I pray right now that you would give everybody in this room a mind to go after the kind of love that you want us to. We need you to, to do that for us. We, we we can't we can't do it. You gotta work inside of us. You gotta you gotta impel us. You gotta move us towards what's most important to you. We thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen.